I worked in an office, I've been a cargo thug. I peddled smut, took orders, and sold drugs. Even Keller marketed for one day. Done hella dumb shit for some pay and whip. Every one of them comes a point, usually after a blunt or a thumb sized joint. When you're like, fuck it, I'd rather be naked or baked. Gang of shit to do, but you're taking a break. You're fucking a dog, screwing the pooch, jerking off, doing the do, pissing around, shooting the shit. Board out your skull, losing your grip. Rapper, Bazooka Joe, shoots on Churchill. What's this guy doing up here in Manitoba? Manitoba. 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 And, and we, we opened, opened up the, the very first, first Robin's Donuts, Donuts in 1975. We're back at our original location in Thunder Bay, Ontario. This year marks our 44th birthday. Why, George, you don't look a day over 100. <laughs> but you're older than me. You, you can, can win. win. Take home any size box of Robin's deliciously dried donut eggs. And if you find a real Robin bird egg, you, you win. win. As a bonus, just place say? the egg under a heat lamp for half an hour and your baby Robin will hatch. You gotta be kidding me. There's a one in three chance of winning a real bird. When you hear that first chirp, you know the baby Robin has accepted you as its mother. When did I okay this? Robin's Donuts is a proud sponsor of Pads for Passerines, a not-for-profit wildlife foundation. Shut up! They're hatching like popcorn! Please consider dropping a toonie in the donation box. You'll find it every counter at Robin's Donuts. They're everywhere! Across Canada. <laughs> Is that a dog? Remember, Robin's fast, fresh, Run into the car! Welcome to the Manitoba Money Shot Podcast with me, Ronald George Moore. Hi, hello, how are you? Today, MC Bazooka Joe. He is a prairie hip-hop pioneer. And you heard Screwing the Pooch uh, from 2004, Pinky's Laundromat. And that's from the Peanuts and Corn label run by Roddy Rod McEnroe from the Mean Streets of Brandon. His new album, that being Bazooka Joe, is Schadenfreude uh, with Rob Crooks. It's out now, and it's bloody heavy and brilliant and a real fun listen so buy it support local goods okay we're on soundcloud facebook twitter youtube google that shit thank you come on here we go again yeah boy we are rolling yeah (laughs) welcome very special guest on the podcast today mr bazooka joe aka john smith aka Old Man Winter. You got him. You got, you <laughs> got him. Greetings. Got all three. Yeah. Three for one today on the show. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, obviously, um, I'm very thankful that you came and, and uh, came and uh, agreed to do this. This is just awesome. You know, as I said, as I mentioned before, as we were kind of messaging that I, I'm a fan of your work, I've, uh, I've seen uh, your videos, I've heard your albums, and uh, it's, it's a long road. It's yeah. It's a long road right now, eh? Yeah, 20, 20 years. I just released an album on my 40th birthday so 20 years of putting records out is what we're that at that was your actual birthday yeah yeah and so it's december 20 december 29th yeah. 29th oh yeah. congratulations yeah. 40 40 hit the big 4-0 made it it's the manitoba money shot and you are a manitoban truly born a manitoban well not born not born oh, I, was, I was actually born in port alice british columbia but uh, there was a big there was like an exodus of a bunch of Kind of young men from Churchill went out there to work in the logging industry. So okay. there was a, there was about a half dozen couples from Churchill that I'm aware of out in BC. So I was born there, but I don't remember. You don't remember anything about it. I don't remember it at all. I was back. We were back home in Churchill by the time I I kind of came into consciousness or okay or whatever. So. <laughs> See, yeah, you don't remember any. If you went back there, you wouldn't recognize anything. I don't think so. You know, like two. I was. I think I was almost two when we left. So. Right, uh, any, right. Any memories would be like recounted to me and then fabricated in my mind, and you know, like, <laughs> exactly. And let forty years go by. Yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah. hard to keep yeah. track of all that. But for all intents and purposes, uh, yeah, I'm I'm from Churchill, Churchill, yeah. Manitoba, Hudson's yeah. Bay. Um, I've been to Churchill. I've been fortunate enough to spend uh, five days in Churchill, like oh, Monday yeah. through Friday, working with uh, students in the school. Okay, the school there. 
What would you say the population is? It's about 900 people now. When I was growing up, I think it would, would, would have been closer to 2,000 maybe. Yeah, 1,500, okay. 2,000. But there's slowly people tend to move away from there, or at least that's the trend now. And everyone's living in like within a couple blocks more or less, right? It's, it's like the town of Churchill's fairly small. If I, it's compact, yeah. Yeah, compact. Yeah. That's a good word for it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, the school is a part of a, a multiplex kind of a yeah deal. yeah there's a there's a giant kind of there's a giant it's called the town center complex it's very they they didn't even like give it a name you know it's just it's just the <laughs> really? town center complex it's yeah. like the Samuel Hearn town center complex or whatever like it looks like Stanley Kubrick designed it it's these giant rolling concrete ramps, mm-hmm. and there's just everything is within this complex because it's so cold outside and the threat of bears, yeah. polar bears, uh, they, they put everything together. So when I was a kid and it was fully functional, there was an elementary school, high school, town hall, mm-hmm. library, skating rink, curling rink, bowling hospital. alley, arcade, hospital, movie yeah. theater, cafeteria. Uh, the town gym was in there. I rented DVDs from uh, from that yeah, little yeah, store be, in there. There's, uh, yeah, there's been retail and weird stuff in there. Um, so yeah, so it was all it was all there in that wild right. Weird so you must complex. spend a lot of time in there. A little, and you, yeah. It's right at Hudson Hudson's Bay. Yeah, you can look. There's giant picture windows in in the rear of the building. You look, you can look out and you can see a, a beach. Yeah. And uh, on the left, you can kind of see Cape Mary, uh, which is a historical site. And beyond that, there's the Fort Prince of Wales. It's all very. Yeah. It's a beautiful spot to be tucked into. It's beautiful when I went to. Yeah. I, I went in uh, in May. Uh, when I arrived, I was puzzled by why does everyone have tinfoil in their windows? It's okay. obviously because it's a strong sunlight, you know, for 24 hours. Well, not 24, but... No, but it, it gets close, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it, it it messes with you for sure. Right. And then, um, but, but I ventured out, you know, everyone's warning you about the polar bears don't go out there, but um, it, it's big icebergs just kind of sitting, sitting on the beach there. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, as a, as a kid... I, I, you know, you hear it all the time, right? I'm, I'm sure the kids up there nowadays have considerably less freedom than, than you know, me and my pals did when we were kids. But For sure. When we were kids, I mean, the, the things that they teach you, for, you know, once you start going to school and stuff in Churchill, they teach you two things. They teach you about bears and they teach you about the water, how dangerous the water is. It's, it's black and cold and mm. it is just ugly. It never warms up. So um, you're not swimming in this water. No, no, no. It's uh, it's very, very dangerous. But you know, you're a kid in the '80s, go nuts, right? So yeah. So uh, we would uh, when the ice would break up because even though this is part of the ocean, it freezes over. So the ice breaks up, and then uh, when the tide goes out, you have all these cool little icebergs kind of sitting around. So yeah, you, to you, play on the climb. yeah, you run around, you collapse a few, you, you know. Uh, you get into some shit, but um, I distinctly remember as a kid, these two brothers um, playing on the iceberg after, well after everyone else, you know, realized the tide was coming in, and they and and they got caught out there on the icebergs with the tide coming in. No way. So one of them managed to successfully get back to the shore, but the other one was was like stranded. He was going to float out into the Hudson Bay in 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 the freezing cold. And, uh, you know, cops were out, da-da-da-da-da. And uh, how he ended up back was was with a cop and about six 10, 11-year-old kids mm-hmm. coordinating to Billy Joe, was the name of the kid stuck out on the icebergs, yeah. which ones to jump onto to get back to us really? on the shore. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So he was like Qbert out there. <laughs> it's like a human video game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy. And, and we had to direct him back. But, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a beautiful place, and its placement is is incredibly picturesque. Mm-hmm. But the aurora yeah. borealis, yeah, is nuts. But <laughs> it also so so cold all the fucking time, and so dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. like just yeah, you're. It's almost like the all the cold air from the Hudson Bay gets funneled to a point and then blasted. Yeah, a couple other things that are that stand out in Churchill. We have the port there, which was closed down. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. I believe it will run again. 
Yeah, I keep hearing that. Yeah, I, I think an ownership that. group took that over, and the rail line is is up and up and going again. Well, I, they they those things go hand in hand, so it's back, but it's been rough for a long time. But it was always rough. It was never, it, uh, it was never a huge money maker. I don't believe. Yeah, and if it was, it was way way back, maybe in the eighties. For sure, would have yeah, been the yeah. heyday for the poor. Or no, no, that's a lie. They're, more recently, they did pretty well in maybe in the two thousand aughts or something like that. Okay. But regardless, it's it's always been a fight with the port, and the rail line has always been a mess. Right, uh, especially more so after the American company bought it and then neglected it for for those years. Right, right. And when you were when you were living there, you remember big ships coming into that port. Yeah, yeah. yeah most, uh, you know, I got family up there. I had uncles and aunts that worked at the port. My old man worked there for a little while. Um, ships would come in. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there'd be a lot of activity. And, uh, you know, and then the ship goes, you know, but it's, it, it was pretty cool because you're so isolated in Churchill. If you don't know about Churchill, you, you can only get in by rail or by plane. Right. Uh, there's no roads in or out. So when you're a kid, you're starving for stimulation. So, you know, before the tourist industry really popped off, you know, as it's done in the last 20 years, um, it was, you know, New people coming into town was a big deal. It was a sight, right? Right, right. Whenever the train comes in, the town, you know, comes alive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah, to see a bunch of roughnecks coming into town, you know, it was like, whoa, this is crazy. This is cool, you know? Or <laughs> even sure. just people who don't look like people from Churchill, you know? It was just like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> right. You know? Uh, what I loved also about Churchill is the locals, the people who live there. They were so, you know, welcoming and, like, just so friendly, you know? Yeah. I don't know if that whole friendly Manitoba thing, but yeah, it was it was really uh, I don't know, just unexpected. I wasn't I just thought they would be more against people coming into their territory. Right. You know? I I like I said, I think I mean I know as a kid we felt it, but it's like you know kids kids grow up. It's like you you want stimulation, you know, like new people coming into the mix is is welcome, right? You know, and 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 it, the town does things to people. Um, <laughs> The, the schedule that the trains ran on when I was a kid was they would arrive in town at 8 in the morning if they were on time and then leave again at 8 at night, 8 or 9, right. give or take. Um, but it was pretty common for tourists to come in just for that 12 hours, you know, because it's expensive. Right. Um, traditionally, the older older folks come in and do the big tours and hang out for a week and da-da-da-da-da. But, you know, younger people... You know, backpacker types, it's mm-hmm. a very expensive place to visit. Mm-hmm. So they just have that day. But there's stories of people coming in for that day, going out, seeing some bears, and then going to the bar to kill a few hours before yeah. hopping back on the train and falling in love <laughs> over a case of blue and, right. and never never leaving, you know, like, or, mm-hmm. or staying for years. Like, uh, it's a very romantic setting, and it, and it does crazy things to people. Oh, that's really know? cool. Yeah. What, when you're going to school there, is it is is it K to nine? How how is well, it a what, high school and an elementary school? Yeah, when I when I was a kid, there was there was a building that was the elementary school, and then there was a high school separate. Now oh, okay. I believe it's all just in one because there's so few kids. You right, know? right. Um, no graduating classes are like six, seven people. Like it's um, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not what it used to be. So. But yeah, so uh, it was K to twelve. It was wild, man. Walked to walk to school in the dark, you know. <laughs> Leave school in the dark, right. you know, <laughs> just right. pitch black, you know, just sucking the soul out of you. I'm, I'm sure. Great. Yeah, uh, I mean, even when you're walking around, I know you get you get beluga whales. Like it's oh, known yeah. also from the beluga whale spotting. I was I was lucky enough to see a lot of them when I was up there. Um, timing was right. When we were when we were walking, uh, get attacked by birds. Like, I oh, don't know you were, what kind of birds they are? Those but. were probably either Arctic terns or Ross's gulls. But because um, okay, apparently they they nest by the side of the road or something, yeah. so they're protecting. Yeah, their, you're their not. Eggs. You know, they don't want you around, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's really nowhere to go. Yeah. I was like, oh fuck, we gotta get out of here. We used to do that for sport we, as kids. You know, you, you want to go get attacked by the birds? Yeah, we'll go <laughs> run through the birds a few times because you just you were dying for stuff to do. You know? Oh, for sure, well, yeah. But then you, there wouldn't be anything like like a. Uh, that's kind of a stupid question, but like a cabin 
area or like there camping. Is, no, there is. There yeah. is. I, not camping. Not camping. Um, but there is like, there's an area outside of town called Goose Creek with cabins. Some people have them just to hang out at. Some people actually live out there because they... Because the town is too busy for them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they got to get away, you know? Gotta yeah, get out. the hustle and bustle of, of <laughs> yeah. Churchill is too much. Yeah, exactly. Check day. I, I can't be down there when people are getting their goddamn checks. But as you said, yeah, there's not a lot of uh, road outside yeah, you can't, of Churchill. You can only Churchill. go so far. You know, there's, there's some places way out. There's like research places where they used to la- launch rockets. Mm-hmm. Or, or Sorry, they built... This is another... Like, <clears throat> this is Churchill to a T. They built a study center to launch rockets from. And then I believe only, like, two rockets get launched. This is in the 60s or 50s or something. And then it yeah. gets decommissioned and sits there <laughs> for 40 years. But I think maybe recently they figured out something like the weather service uses it or something like that. Oh, but, they repurposed. Yeah. it's <laughs> That's good. <laughs> every, every, every single thing built there is built... Uh, to double for a Michael Bay movie eventually, you right. know, like, <laughs> of course. or like, yeah, Ridley Scott or something. Yeah. yeah. Like there's those weird, uh, golf ball. Did you see the golf balls? No. There's a, there's a, just Google map this. You can just look at the whole town. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, there's a, I'm going to see a lot of golf balls. <laughs> no, no, there's a building and there's a roof with two domes. They look like half a golf ball. Oh, okay. There's two of them, and it was used as some sort of an observation thing, maybe for radio or something like that. But mm-hmm. again, uh, every other window in the place is punched out by cinder blocks and rocks, and mostly people just use it to smoke smokes in now. You for know? sure, like, yeah. It's, there's a <laughs> lot of things like that around. Would you say the laws are pretty loose? Because, uh, you know, there's not uh, a lot of cameras. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I would imagine. say enforcement is loose, right? Enforcement's loose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's um it's a place where they send you know your your teachers, your doctors, your cops. They're either fresh out of school or the academy mm-hmm. or have fucked up so royally everywhere else that they're sent there at the end of their <laughs> <Exactly>. careers <laughs> to just be hidden away from everyone else. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um so you're you're in the school, you made some good friends obviously. Uh you're uh, but once you get to the end of grade 12, uh if you want to continue your education, you have to leave. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean, nowadays, I guess it, you could always do online, but... Yeah, I'm sure it's a different world now. Yeah. But, but back then, I mean, it, it was one of those places where, you know, if you if you could just, like, show up to work mm-hmm. on time and not too, too drunk, you could... <laughs> Still drunk, though. Yeah. <laughs> then you could have... You know, like you can have a career, you know, you can, you can get by on that. You can, you can have, a, that, you 30, can have a couple trucks and a snowmobile and a family. You, you, it used to be like that anyways. Right. When I was a kid. Um, so, you know, there wasn't a lot of impetus to, to go for further education. I get it. You know, yeah, right. On. Um, the problem with that is then all your administrative positions are filled by, <clears throat> you know, people from out of town kind of controlling your destiny, making big decisions for you. It's a, like I said, it's a different world now. Yeah. But, um, but that's, that's kind of what I remember as a kid. You know, when I was a kid, I just thought because I was white and it was the 80s that I would just like inevitably work in a job that required me to wear a suit and have a briefcase. You know what I that, mean? Like right. it was just like Alex P. Keaton from, okay, from for Family sure. Ties, yeah. right? So I didn't. You know, you have no grip of of how far away from everything you are until you get a little bit older. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we moved away from Churchill when I was thirteen, fourteen, and I was ready to go. The day that we arrived in Winnipeg is the day that Snoop Dogg Doggy Style came out. <laughs> Because the, wow. the first thing I did was go to HMV and get that tape. You knew I, of it yeah. beforehand. Okay. So I think it was November 19th, 94. It was either 93 wow. or 94. Okay. But I was ready. So you were in the rap when you were in Churchill. Yeah. Okay. So this is the deal is um, my older brother starts a B-boy crew in Churchill in like 87. Yeah, getting hired out for gigs. Uh, he they formed a crew called the Icebreakers, and they nice. toured northern Manitoba, reses and towns, mm-hmm. 
break dancing, like doing like a dance workshop. Popping and, and locking. Yeah, yeah, totally. For sure. So they were called, yeah, I don't know, they were called the Icebreakers. They had jackets and like tracksuits and the whole deal. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. So that was my exposure. And, um, and yeah, like, you know, eventually everybody in Churchill in that era becomes a metalhead. But, mm-hmm. uh, but my brother was always like pretty cool with hip hop after the B-boy thing. And I remember, like, a, I remember a real moment for me was, um, do you remember the Edie Brickell song, uh, her uh, big song, yes, Throw yeah, Me in the Shallow I, Water Before yeah. I Get Too Deep, right? Right. Uh, so that Edie Brickell and the New Bohemian song, contemporarily, like, was sampled by a group called Brand Nubian, rap, a kind of militant rap group from New York. Right. Um, and that blew my mind, you know, like, it's like, I know this Edie Brickell song and I knew what sampling was. Right. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they were like sampling another pop song while it was still in the kind of, you know, psyche, you know, like still in the conscious of everything. It yeah. wasn't like an old jazz loop, you know what I mean? Or it wasn't <laughs> like the piano from Bowie and Mercury that Vanilla Ice used. Right. Right, right, right. And I remember that being a real moment between my older brother and I we were watching much music together mm-hmm. and we were like, holy fuck, like, is that, is that what that is? You know? And then you kind of hunt down the sample and you're like, yeah, that's, that's what's happening there. And that being right. like a really, like a real moment for me. I have pretty clear memories of writing songs, both like rock songs and rap songs when I was like 11 years old Okay, and, and freestyling at 11 with no mentors for this, you right. know, just going off of just always having a, blank VHS tape in the TV. Mm-hmm. And if anything even remotely rap related comes on recording, recording you know, it. like keep those things, have them around, check them out, study them, you know, like nice. that was, that what were some of your favorites it. that you remember recording? Uh, my, you know, my favorite thing when I go back is remember the blue blockers infomercial that they used to show yeah, all night I long do. on TV for sure. Yeah. Okay. So the, on the blue blockers commercial, there was this guy named geek and Geek was this guy who used to roller skate up and down Muscle Beach in California okay. with a boombox. And then he would busk by freestyling for people. Oh. So put your name into a rap, you know, or talk about what clothes you're wearing. This is before people really knew, you know, rap is still kind of a novelty for most of white North America, right? Right, right. And in the Blue Blockers commercial... They get him to rap about blue blockers. Oh, because they're on the... Because they shot the blue blockers commercial on Muscle Beach. Like Man right? on the Street. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, my name is Geek. I put them on as a shocker. Yeah, I love these blue blockers. Everything is groovy. They block out the sun. Oh, yeah. I got to get me some. You <laughs> right. know? Like, That's great. So... Uh, <laughs> I knew that that was on at like the 40-minute mark of the infomercial... So that if I turned on the TV to that channel at 11.40 and 12.40 and 1.40 and 2.40, I could see Geek. You can see it again and again and again. Yeah, if I I hadn't (laughs) taped it or whatever. Uh, Once you're in Winnipeg, um, the world's a bit bigger for you. Yeah. Uh, When, uh, did you see any rap shows like early on? Well, as soon as I got here, my mandate was to be involved in rap music. Mm -hmm. Like, I knew it then. I was... Um, you know, school, uh, wasn't doing it for me. You know, it's like in Churchill, I was like, you know, on an honor roll. Yeah. And then you get to the city and it's like, they're way more advanced. What part of the city? I I was in the North end. I was going to Sisler. Sisler. So there's, uh, there's, there was 1800 students in Sisler. There's 900 people in the town of Churchill when I left. So it was, (laughs) right. Yeah. I was just, I didn't. It was, it messed me up, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? But the one thing that I was really into was, was writing raps and, and being really into the music. So that, I was just immediately after it. Right. And uh, so the first show that I saw was at a place called Venue 8. Uh, Venue 8? Uh, yeah, yes, I remember In the Masonic sure. temple there above mm-hmm. the macaroni bar, right? Um, and that was Mood Rough, Farm Fresh, no, sorry, not Farm Fresh. McEnroe from Farm Fresh, mm-hmm. Roddy Rod. Right. And the Rascals. And uh, this is, the Rascals would later go on to become a what you would call a pop stars in Canada. Yeah, right? they're out of Vancouver. Right? Yeah, rap yeah. group out of Vancouver. 
but this was their wow. first album, which was a super underground record. And they must have been pretty green because their set was them playing four songs and two of them were the same song. <laughs> so, so I think they either only had the instrumentals for three songs or... Uh, right. I don't know. I really... I don't know. You got to stretch it out. Yeah. You got to fill the time, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's hilarious. But um, so, yeah, I believe I was 15 or 16 when, uh, when that came around. And then the other thing that was happening was because you couldn't... Because live rap wasn't a thing that was really happening in bars or whatever. Yeah. Um, they had kind of been pushed to socials. And so they would have socials that were ostensibly for a sports team or for a wedding or something, but really it was just an excuse to have DJs and rappers. Get out. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, and this Who's is... Who's putting on these shows? This is just like local... Local h- Hustling ass dudes, yeah. man. You know, like mm-hmm. this, this is... You know, there was a ton of like dance hall reggae at these shows. Um, it was, it was still a really like raw, young thing, you mm-hmm. know, and it was still a very underground thing. But it wasn't uncommon to go to the ballroom of like the Delta Hotel, right? <laughs> and just there would be like three hundred, you know, young kids who know like every single word to every single Nas and like. Um, what would it would have been like Biggie and Nas and Tribe Called Quest yeah. and stuff like that. Wow. And um and yeah, that was like the real deal. It was And you're hitting up all these. Every every single time. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like and and it's and it's a cra- it's like a high school thing. You know, this is the guy at your high school who's hooked up with the promoters and he is the guy you go to for tickets. Okay. For these things because nice. it's still a social, right? It's it's mm-hmm. not like going to a club night or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it you got to know yeah. the right people to show up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was it was really really cool shit. So immediately I started pursuing those things and it was like it was like all right, it's 2:30 a.m. There are no longer 15 mountains running down, you know, I was on Aberdeen and Arlington right in the heart of the North End. Right. It's like, all right, let's hoof it home after the fucking rap show. <laughs> and it would be like the Warriors, you know. Right. <laughs> like, oh god. You'd walk, <laughs> walking down Selkirk Street, you know, at right. At 2.30 in the morning in 1996, that's 1995-96, uh, that, that was like war zone shit, you know? Really, yeah. definitely, a, you're on the buddy system there. You don't want to be there alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. When did you uh, get your rap together, as it were? Like, when did you put on uh, a hip-hop show? Okay, so I was just looking for looking for a foothold, you know? I didn't know what to do. There was a small crew of among my friends... That, you know, it was just like we would just record directly into like a karaoke machine. Yeah. Um, you could still buy like casingles in that era. So if oh, yeah, even if it was a group or a song you didn't like, if a casingle had an instrumental on it, you had to buy it so you could write and rap over it. Yeah. You break the tab and then you can record. Over yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so. So, yeah, we had our we kind of had our little crew that was doing our thing. And then then I started approaching the Farm Fresh guys. Right. What was the name of your crew? Uh, we were never official. Oh, like, okay. I, I, I was really lucky in that, you know, the farm fresh guys took me under their wing and mentored me to the point where like my first time on stage doing my own thing, it was mm-hmm. produced by Roddy Rod, AKA McEnroe. Wow. And right? that whole relationship just came from you showing up at the shows, their yeah, shows. I was going to every show that I could go to, I made kind of, I guess the equivalent of a demo tape. And like resources were so thin, like, you know, I, I'm, uh, this is a bit of an aside, but it's like, you know, in, in the music community, um, a lot of people, you can't, it's hard to stick around without resources mm-hmm. and I didn't have any resources. Um, so it's like, I was, when were you, you're talking equipment. Yeah. Gear, you gear, know, like yeah. gear and, and just, you know, it's hard to do shit for the love when you're, when you're, when you're broke you know like yes um but but yeah i was lucky enough but that, you still do it <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> you still got to do it you yeah, got to get it absolutely <laughs> but um but yeah i was lucky enough to to kind of be taken under wing but i was literally on that demo there would be uh interludes 
on uh, on rap albums that were like you might get thirty seconds, forty five seconds of a, like a little snippet of an instrumental, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I would just take those and rap over the write and rap over those. It's like right. here's a forty five second long song because this is the only instrumental that I that I have. You <laughs> right. Know? You hooked up with uh, Mackerel. Yeah, gave him the demo. Um, he didn't particularly like it, but there was another guy in the mix named Steve St. Louis. Okay. who was kind of the unofficial photographer for the local hip-hop scene. He was at all the shows, oh. shooting shows. He's, like, like real hip, you know, like, and... For, like, a university paper or university? Just, he would, just he would for be the on, love of it. For people's records and, like, album covers and stuff like oh, that. Shit. And he okay. was, like, part of a zine called Mind Spray, that Honeycut. And uh, basically the Farm Fresh guys and Mood Roth put together yeah. back in the day. So he was just kind of, like, he was a guy in the crew that didn't rap... Um, but you know, he was active and he kind of, you know, told McEnroe, you know, like, I think this kid's got something. And McEnroe said, I've never heard someone be so technically bad at something, but (laughs) also brag so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not calling this guy. Uh, but, but eventually St. Louis convinced him. And and so McEnroe called me and, and it was really like cool and, and uh, it was like a formal mentorship, kind of. He was like, I'm willing to help you get to this place, mm-hmm. um, but you have to take some guidance, you know? And, right. and it's like, you're not from New York, so you need to lose that fake accent, and we need you to be you, right? Yeah. We're from Brandon. You're from Churchill. We want the real you, right? So That's great advice. Yeah. Wow, he really- I, and I didn't really throttle back on the shit-talking too much anyways, but he still, he still <laughs> let me hang around. And, right. and, that and for was, those of you who don't know, sorry, I should say that yeah. uh, he's a mastermind, mastermind behind Peanuts and Corn Records. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, Farm Fresh. And that was your label for Rude the Rough. longest time. Yeah, and, and still, still is. Yeah, I, sorry. Mean, <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's never been any formal, like, you know, you, you know, we've always been free to do what we want. But yeah, the bulk of my catalog is with, produced by McEnroe and on the Peanuts and Corn record label. For right, sure. right, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so then I guess you're, you're, he's booking shows for you as well. Yeah. He's, he's, I, he's got everything going on. Yeah, he's not well, just records, promoter, uh, yeah, well, the distributor. Again, like the, the Farm Fresh guys, everything was DIY. Um, so I was really spoiled, you know, like yeah. I was brought into a situation where it's like the only thing that I had to do was write songs, um, back up, you know, my, my fellow label mates live. Mm-hmm. Um, and play shows and tour, you know. And when your uh, your your first uh, recording album CD would it have been a CD? Oh, it yeah. would have been a CD. Yeah, uh, Blunderbuss. Blunderbuss is my first solo album. Yeah, first solo album. But it, was it your first like uh, long play recording? No, because we did the Park Like Setting album. Ah, oh, Park Like Setting. Yeah, so okay. Park Like Setting came first. And but then, that's not solo. Yeah, you were saying that's that's, that's a group record. Yeah. Right. And but who's on that one again? That's myself, McEnroe, and Honeycutt. Okay. Right. Yeah. So that was the first thing, and then yeah, Blunderbuss was two thousand one. That was my first wow, solo record. Two thousand one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So long ago. I know. And I, know. I just remember that album getting critical acclaim. Yeah. Best, best of lists. Yeah, we we got some best ofs. I got a, you know, a real feather in my hat in that era was. Buck 65 went on national radio mm-hmm. and they asked him if he was, you know, again, Canadian rap was kind of a novelty, right? So they asked yeah. him if there was any Canadian rap he could recommend. And he talked about how much he liked a song off Blunderbuss, which is a true story. Uh, the, he, the song is about me specifically learning to ride uh, no hands on my bike okay, uh, so that I could smoke joints on the ride to work to the adult video shop that I used to, that I used to work at. Really? It's called Look Ma No Hands. Now I was in a gym when I was just a small type And like most boys I had one of them small bikes Foam pad on the bar that said BMX So you wouldn't lose no teeth but I damn near broke my neck Attempted to ride no hands with no crash Off the bed, ripped sweatpants and road rash So I gave up trying until that fine summer afternoon in 99 When a good friend of mine outlined to me 
His perception of the secret to biking without handlebars An idea was hatched conception I was brewing up something like a samovar It was all about pace and maintaining rhythm It wasn't long before I could keep up with them It was addictive, rolling from place to place Able to scratch my hairy ass and the stubble on my face That's a real thing that happened and then I wrote a song about it I was so, like, I didn't learn how to bike no hands till I was like 20 years old I don't know what happened there, yeah, but is, uh, it was very liberating. Oh, <laughs> I was for like, sure, I have to yeah. write about this. But yeah, so Blunderbuss did really well and got a little bit of national attention. And and really, I mean, that era, all of the peanuts and corn stuff started to started to get some attention. And that's when things kind right. of started rolling for us. I want to talk about a few other albums. Pinky's Laundromat is another uh, critical a critical, critically acclaimed album. Yeah, I remember. Like, uh, what 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 uh, memories do you have of recording that? Or, or uh... okay, so Pinky's Laundromat is a concept album. Every story, uh, my myself as the narrator uh, and the storyteller, I work at a laundromat in the North End called Pinky's, which is real and is still open. I used uh, the persona of a guy who works in the laundromat to tell in stories about individuals that would be kind of in and out of this laundromat in the North end. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I talk about kind of, there's a song called iron chef about like a really tough, Fry cook. She breaks in the alley, puffing reefer, and sweats a dirty apron and a husband beater. She come back sky high and set to fry, slice, and dice. She's an iron chef. Yeah, the food sucks, but it's love reliever. Everything's too tough, it'll make your front teeth hurt. Send something back, your black eye will swell. Just eat and be happy, you're alive and well. Order up, bell, she banging on the shit. Hands on her hips, stick hanging off the lip. In your food, just eat around the vegetarian orders, get a little beef grounded. But the majority of that record um, is written about actual people from Churchill. And, oh. I, and I wrote it mostly in Rankin Inlet, Nunavut. And uh, so my hustle used to be to take weed up north uh, and just flip it because it's more expensive up there. Everything's fucking yeah. ridiculously expensive up there. Yeah. So to give to give people an idea, uh, traditionally it would be fifty dollars a gram for weed in a, in a place like Rankin Inlet. So, but also like this, a loaf of bread is is yeah, crazy. Every, yeah, it's it's relative, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I had the opportunity to just go hang out there for a couple weeks with with my herb. And um, a pal of mine set it up so that I had a, like a house to do it out of. It was like real mm-hmm. kind of hood shit. And uh, so I just went and shacked up there. And I, that's where I wrote most of the Pinkies album was just hustling weed out of this house. Oh, nice. Up north. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> so working vacation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, places like Churchill and Rankin Inlet and the North End of Winnipeg are full of characters uh who don't get their stories told too often so and i've always been drawn to that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that's when you start to see the kind of like the maturation of my material where it's like um i want to tell the stories these people you know right right instead of just the people that you don't necessarily see yeah yeah so um so yeah and it did really well it was like a super weird thing like you know uh being on the cover of like the uptown and mm-hmm. you know the third the entertainment section of the free press on a thursday because you know uptown and it were separate back in the day right uh but yeah it was all kind of like falling over itself and happening at once and it was yeah it was pretty cool i wish there was some money there yeah <laughs> <laughs> but well, the attention was, the, uh... was cool you know what was the uh, story about the, the the cover? The cover of the Pinky's Laundry oh, Matter? Yeah, so genius that I am, I, I, I write an entire concept album uh, from the perspective of the, not just the guy at the laundromat, but very specifically Pinky's Laundromat, to the point where it's in a bunch of the songs. And then I have to go to Pinky's and tell the owner, hey, I've, I've used your place as a location for this album and it's a big part of the branding for it and i'm shooting a music video for it can i shoot it here in your laundromat and uh and you you didn't know this guy didn't didn't know anybody there right did 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 the whole thing first and then was like okay now i gotta figure this (laughs) this thing out awesome but uh so i went in there and gave gave the the woman running the place this spiel and she was not impressed and she said 
my mom runs this place. You'll have to come back and see her. Mm-hmm. She's here from 5 a.m. till 8 a.m., which is like... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's like a life sentence for me. Those aren't rapper hours yeah. of operation. <laughs> yeah, maybe I might come there on my way home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea, but really you'd have to ask my mom. So I went back, and it's this woman in her 80s, and she says her husband's name was Pinky, and he passed away. Wow. And she would be honored if I oh, did it. And that's great. Yeah, and gave me full access. So I had T-shirts, and you know the, the, the storefront is on the cover of the album, and we shot the video for a song called Kinship of the Down and Out mm-hmm. in the laundromat itself. Mm-hmm. I had full access. It was great. Um, and then when the record comes out, uh, I brought her a couple T-shirts and some CDs and a DVD copy of the video. Right. And she just bawled. It just broke down into my chest. Just wow. cried her eyes out. It was, like, amazing. She had a laminated uh, article from the free press hanging up there. You know, Sweet. Like, yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. Uh, you had, uh, of course, uh, there's uh, the Break Bread Crew, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, Oh, at six, seven, eight. There's yeah. It's a it's a, what, nebulous. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, <laughs> nebulous. <laughs> and uh, you had an official release on that too, right? Yeah, we did an EP, a Break Bread EP. Um, that was one with the whole crew. Recently, McEnroe floated the idea of a reunion LP. Oh, that'd be um, sweet. If, yeah, could yeah, be could be, be fun. Pretty cool. Him and I uh, just recorded an EP together. Um, which should be coming out sometime this year, which is pretty exciting. We oh, nice. We haven't done anything since 2012, I believe. 2012. Would that yeah. have been uh, MVP? No, that's Old Man Winter. Old Man Winter. Yeah. Now, uh, was that a double release? Yeah. So Minor League MVP is on Foul Tone Records, mm-hmm. uh, run by and produced by this guy, DJ Cutdown. Uh, but those records did come out in close proximity to each other, and I had a double album release party right. for them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So uh, so you have one, and then the other one is Old Man Winter. Yeah. And that's uh, McEnroe. Yeah, that's the last PNC record I did. Minor League, uh, that's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely, uh, I love Stan Kubitschek. Stan Kubitschek, uh is this is definitely the standout from that record mm-hmm. and killed live every time I played it. Oh, for sure. It's got that yeah. raunchy rock guitar kind of wailing in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved uh, Booze and Buggin'. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, Buggin' with Joe. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's great. It's like a ragtimey yeah, kind of sound. There's, there's a swing to it. Swing. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Love me and leave me alone with the outcome. My nights are getting creepy. I wrote another album. I'm full of bear proud. Cologne with the towel. I'm on a boy about it. Well, the thing about Cutdown is, is Cutdown, you know, he makes some amazing beats, but if you wanted to, you could make a record of very kind of standard backpacky sounding rap mm-hmm. out of the beats that, that he presents to you. Um, and when he presented me with beats, it was like dozens. It was like 50, 60 beats that I waded through in a couple sittings. And, yeah. uh, and when I went back to him with my list of the ones I wanted to rap over, he was, he was bugged out because he was just like, Nobody touches these beats, and uh, <laughs> exactly. yeah, I like I like I, I like fast, loud rap music. I grew up on Public Enemy, you know, mm-hmm. um, and there's not enough noise, and there's not enough yeah. speed in it. Like for Welcome me. to the Terror Dome. Yeah, you know? so it's just like yeah, yeah. I like that stuff, and there, yeah. I don't think there's a lot of it out there. I guess the closest mainstream equivalent right now would be something like Run the Jewels. I know a few years ago, Death Grips was kind of looked at as like really out there, kind of noisy rap or mm-hmm. whatever, but that's the shit that I like, you know? And so Booze and Buggin', which is <laughs> probably 120 BPMs or something, but also has this weird skip beat yeah. to it. Uh, yeah, that's that's an out there kind of choice. For sure. And then, of course, you have your brand new album. 
Yeah, yeah. The new album is called Schadenfreude. That's Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the German a German word uh, that means to uh, to enjoy watching someone else fail or or suffer. <laughs> to take joy. In, Would that be a theme for the album? Yeah. A concept. Well, yeah, it kind of is. It, it, Schadenfreude is a what I call a dark party record. Um, for a few years, my only job was to host club nights and and jams, basically. So oh, yeah. uh, I would get up on stage and scream at 18-year-old kids, you know, throw your hands up, or this is the drink special, or last call is in 10 minutes, or whatever. Where are you doing this? I was doing it at Grip and Grain. Oh, the Pyramid. Yeah, so the Pyramid, the, the Albert, mm-hmm. um, Union Sound Hall. But it, what it was was... Um, there was really a void as far as like um, kind of savvy, uh, but still like hard rap music in the bar. In the clubs, you still got just the poppiest of, of rap music. This mm-hmm. stuff was harder and heavier and a little more underground and obscure. Um, but it really resonated. It's still going. I haven't hosted that party in years, but mm-hmm. but uh, but I was doing a lot of that. And so that this album was written during that time. So it's um, yeah, it's the 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 concept of Schadenfreude is is actually applied to myself in it. It's 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 a record about having fun, uh, like self destructive fun. I you guess turned it around on yourself. Yeah. Okay, self destructive okay. fun would be the best way to describe it. <laughs> right. So it's it's a party record, but it acknowledges that there's also tomorrow. You right. know, you got to deal with the day after the party. You do. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Rob Crooks. Yeah. He is, this is a collaboration with him. Yeah. Um, Why, and this is, maybe this is a strange question, but why the decision to put him on, like, uh, it's not just a Bazooka Joe album, this is a Bazooka Joe Rob Crooks album, right? Right, right, right. Uh, I don't know, really. We kind of batted around how to bill it, and I think towards the end, it was going to be just Bazooka Joe. I really wanted Rob's name on there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I I don't know, you know, like my name's first. <laughs> I, do, <laughs> I do all the rapping, you know, like, uh, so, right. so whatever, whatever. Because, you know, you look at it like there's two people on this album. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you listen and it's just me screaming the yeah, whole time. Yeah. So why not? Why not have his name <laughs> yeah. there? Uh, yeah. And uh, the, the first single uh, that you have a video for is Yuletide Bandit. Yeah. Yeah. His name is Mike. Cer- his name is Mike Cernick. Mike Cernick. Yeah, and he... Um, he went on a spree. Yeah, he started robbing... Uh, he did... Well, first he robbed SIR for some guns. And then he robbed, I believe, a place called The Spy Shop for police scanners. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he was all geared up, he started with banks and then graduated to armored trucks. Right. Um, and when he started robbing these places, he got really into blow and ecstasy and uh, sex workers. Right. And he kind of met a woman that he thought he was in a relationship with. Um, and, you know, he would he would rob a place to spend money with her or, or with women like her. Mm-hmm. and uh, Feeding the addiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, and I believe the spree lasts six, seven years. Um, but he eventually, when he does get caught, it's because he goes to the workplace of the woman, uh, which is like kind of a massage, kind of a rub and tug joint in yeah. Chinatown right? Uh, with a bag with a shotgun and a bunch of blow in it and barricades himself in there, um, gets into a shootout with the police, clips a cop. Whoa, um, did he? Oh, yeah. fuck. And, uh, and then he's eventually he's just holed up in there by himself with a big mound of blow like Pacino and Scarface. Yeah, exactly. Charles McFarland ran and ran. I ain't got no friends, but I have a plan. Friends and blue cops want to chat. Tools in my pack. What you doing with that? No bias means. A white man war. I'm ready to die. Outline in charge. Will be shame. I know the talk. Now read the paper. Ignore the fall. Hands are clam on my grip is sure. I'm so managed. And they're insecure. Shit is real. S.I.R. Scanner in here. Hammer in palm. Drugs and brains. What am I? But yeah, so he's fascinating to me. uh, And I, you know, if Winnipeggers don't tell the Winnipeg stories, someone else is going to tell the story, you know? Exactly. You definitely uh, appear to be um, celebrating Winnipeg and and Manitoba in your videos. 
Um, uh, definitely, uh, Old Man Winter, especially, you know, you're, you're in the village. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of all over yeah. there. Dancing with the, uh, the beard and that. That's a great video, man. No, oh, thanks. Another one I love is climb everything. Like, when you're just climbing all over just Winnipeg. Climbing, climbing shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. good. Well, so good. The thing about Manitoba is, you know, people always talk about artists being stuck inside, you know, the, Winnipeg has great musicians because they don't go outside, you know, like they have to be creative. Exactly. Yeah. In the winter. Um, isolation does that. Churchill, the isolation at Churchill will really do that to you, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing about the isolation at Churchill, for me anyways, what's fascinating is it's crafted so many amazing storytellers. And so I was home in Churchill kind of feeling melancholy about leaving. I was just about to come back to Winnipeg and I went out for a beer with my pot. Yeah. And on the drive there, I was talking about this rapper named Cool G Rap. And Cool G Rap has this interview where he talks about how gangster rappers um, are phonies because they always act like they're so hard. But the hardest he guys, the hardest guys that he knows from prison are actually hilarious, and all they do is sit around shooting the shit and, and telling jokes and stories all day long. Oh, he's right? giving you an inside scoop, yeah. as it were. Okay. And I, so I said that to the old man, and then he was like, so are you saying that Churchill's like a prison? You know? And I was like, no, but there are, there's some great storytellers here, and the fact that you old guys and gals sit around telling these stories to each other all the time you yeah. know, gives you an opportunity to sharpen them up. Uh, so anyways, we got to the Legion and went and sat down at this huge table. It's called the bullshit table. It's kind of where all the locals hang out. And, uh, it was him, myself, this guy, Nufi. And, uh, in walked a guy named Rat. And Rat was a pal of ours. So Rat walks in and his face is just covered in, uh, open lesions. Like really nasty stuff. Ooh, God. But, um, we're doing our best to to, you know, be cool and not mention anything. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the bar, Newfie looks at my pop and I, and he says, if one of you hasn't said anything by the time I get back, I'm fucking saying something, right? <laughs> yeah. So he goes to take a piss. So he comes back, sits down. My pop and I, we're not going to mention the fact that Rat's face looks like Swiss cheese, right? Right. So Newfie, uh, Newfie goes, well, he goes, you finally did it, didn't you? And Rat goes... You know, what, what are you talking about? And Newfie goes, you drank your fucking face off. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole place erupted. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's my Churchill story. And I got it on the day that I talked about the impact of Churchill storytelling. Right, right, so. right. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Uh, the Manitoba Money Shot is uh, the hook and the crook of the show. So all that means is I'm going to ask you 100 questions, and you have to answer them within five minutes. If you manage to get 90% of those answers right, you win the money shot. Okay. (laughs) Are you ready for this? I think I am. Yeah. All right. Tonight's money shot is... $11.66. Four and three and two and one. Name a kind of wood. Pine. Name a Hanna-Barbera character. Droopy Dog. Huckleberry Hound. Name a Winnipeg Jets player. Uh, Mark Shifley. Who do you think you are? USSR. (laughs) How uh, does Dorothy get home from Oz? Uh, Hot air balloon. Name a cartoon dog. Foofer. Pen or pencil? Pen. Uh, Last beach you visited. Winnipeg Beach. Uh, did did uh, did you check out the warming huts at the Forks? No. Name a character from Saturday Night Live. A character? Yeah. Mango. Uh, best pizza in the world? Luna Rosa. Who drives the fire truck? Kramer. Name something evil. Ties. How many rings are you wearing? None. The first album purchased. Michael Jackson Bad. First cassette purchased. Michael Jackson bad. First CD purchased. House of Pain. Uh, Basketball or baseball? Basketball. Name a game show. Uh, Let's make a deal. Have you ever owned a truck? Yes. Name something in Las Vegas. Bars. 
Did you check out Folklorama last year? No. Do you have a tattoo? Yes. Best subject in school? English. How old were you when you first tried booze? 12. Favorite month? December. Name a sitcom? Friends. Name a comic book you've read? Wolverine. Best video game console? NES. Favorite radio station? 92. How many days after Christmas should you throw out your tree? Uh, two months. Favorite fruit at all? Mango. Uh, name something <laughs> green. <laughs> Weed. Uh, what's your middle name? Winter. Best buffet food? Indian. Who do you think, or who do you take to the prom? Betty or Veronica? Betty. Same question. Vampire or werewolf? Werewolf. Name an Eddie Murphy film. Delirious. Best breakfast cereal? Life. Name a business in Brandon. Oh, uh, Rodon's. Favorite soft drink? Coke. Have you ever gone ice fishing? No. Who does Mr. T pity? The fool. How many tennis balls come in a can? Three. Would you scuba dive? No. Do you like Kiss, the band? No. Ever play a French horn? No. Do you own uh, a Hawaiian shirt? No. Favorite chocolate bar? Uh, Big Turk. Name a Monty Python member. Don Cleese. Ever dress up as Santa Claus? Yes. Do you watch Netflix? Yes. Name an Andy Adam Sandler film. Big Daddy. Name a tall person. Minute Bull. Have you been uh, in the drunk tank? No. Favorite Canadian band? Ooh, uh, Razor. Any Nerf in your home? No. Do you watch Stranger Things? Yes. Do you eat pineapple? Yes. Um, are you a golfer? No. Do you have all your toes? Yes. Do you, did you know there's a pinball arcade at the Forks? Yes. Have you visited the woman's, uh, woman's the Human Rights Museum? No. Yes. Uh, have you driven a smart car? No. Name an Olympic event. Swimming. Have you been on a horse? Yes. Name a Brady. Tom. Uh, uh, name a Metallica song. Uh, anesthesia. Do you own a tennis ra- racket? No. Uh, where do you buy gas? Co-op. Name a business in Osborne Village. Uh, tavern. Have you been to Disneyland? Uh, no. Have you been to Disney World? Yes. Name something you put uh, on toast. Peanut butter. Have you played Dungeons and Dragons? No. Do you like espresso? No. Who owns the Boring Company? Boring people. <laughs> Name a character from a book. Uh, f- uh, fuck, Fievel. Name a pasta. Rotini. What does TLC stand for? Tender Loving Care. Uh, have you ever been to the World of Wheels at the Convention yes. Center? Uh, name a Monopoly piece. Dog. Do you earn more sacks or more shoes? Socks. Socks or shoes. More shoes or more socks? Socks. First day job. Uh, chicken Delight. Name a famous uh, cowboy. Cowboy. Uh, uh, Cerrone. Donald Cerrone. Uh, uh, did you watch the Oscars? Yes. Do you like onions? Yes. Favorite hockey player? Uh, Timmy Solani. Last place visited outside Winnipeg? Winnipeg Beach. Name your spirit animal. Don't. Uh, name an actor from Arrested Development. Uh, uh, fuck. Five uh, seconds. Uh, uh, Jason Bateman. <laughs> Very good. Uh, do you bite your nails? Uh, no. Uh, oh, man. man. That was... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to happen. I really <laughs> thought it was going to happen. I kind of stumbled on the sock shoes. <laughs> Didn't get that out. We were at 94. Wow. That was fun. I was lost in a trance there. I was just like <laughs> fascinated with uh, the back and forth there. I thought it was going to happen. <laughs> uh, mango twice. <laughs> mango twice. <laughs> <laughs> the worst SNL character ever. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But, you know, that's why it comes to your head. It's the worst one. You oh, know? Yeah. You're going to think of the best one or the worst one. Really laying my soul bare there. It should have just been pornography, hard drugs, and beer every time. <laughs> Name a city. Beer. <laughs> it would have been an answer. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, before we go, the last thing we always do is uh, you're on social media. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for me, uh, both on Twitter and Instagram, it's bazookajoe204. Bazooka Joe 204, all one word. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also the best place to keep up with any music or anything that I got going on. Right. And if you want to check out your YouTube videos. 
yeah, that's see, that's part of the reason why I changed the name. John Smith really fucks up your search, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, if you try John Smith rap in YouTube or Bazooka Joe rap, I'll be the guy to show up. So right on. check me out. I'm a lot younger and thinner in those videos, so appreciate <laughs> them because I do. Right, and uh, also you can check out the new album. Uh, at uh, it's on Eat Eat 'Em Up Records. Yes, Marathon of Dope. That's the that's the labels. Yeah, and uh, that means you can go and buy it physical copies. You can at buy Eat 'Em Up Records. Physical copies at Eat 'Em Up, which is a real record store. Um, but uh, otherwise, you can check it out on Bandcamp. I believe is the best way. You can listen to it on Spotify, but please buy it on Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yeah. Schadenfreude. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks, and, man. And uh, yeah. Great having you.
secret track. What about uh, television? We were able to get so much TV. So much TV. Uh, um, originally, there was, I think, two channels. Mm-hmm. And then we got cable, and uh, then it was just and like... It blew up. Just, just run home from school, turn on TSN to watch <laughs> monster truck pulls. Oh, you nice. know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, That's cool. Monster, or strongman, lots of strongman competitions mm-hmm. were on in that era. Uh, Danger Bay, Edison Twins. No, local... Shows obviously. No, they, there There's was no CBC studios. had TV or radio out of there. Peter Mansbridge's first gig was in Churchill. Um, really? This yeah. Is CBC anything yeah. there? The, the story goes is he was doing an announcement in the airport, and that's how he got the gig on on radio. <laughs> he was in, discovered in Churchill. His voice was discovered by some talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some talented or some talent scouting traveler. I don't know. Wow, that's that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, used to. Used to hit on my mom. <laughs> uh, that's where he almost got punched out by my dad. <laughs> How dare he yeah. pick on a married woman? He's like, he's like, Joanne, you seem like a perfectly, you know, fine young lady. What are you doing hanging out with this guy? <laughs> she uh, knocked him out. That's hilarious. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, God. He was right, but still.